0: the Gospel of Matthew. Many thoughts ran through my mind as I prepared this week for today's sermon. And uh, this hymn, or excuse me, the verse that was rolling across the screen was one thought there, is that God makes all things new. And uh, But when meditating and thinking about what the Lord would have me preach today, I couldn't stop thinking about worship. We've seen four examples of worship in the Nativity story. And uh, beginning with the wise men, and that wise men still worship Jesus. And if you're wise, you'll worship the Lord. You need to know who to worship, how to worship, and what to worship. We've also seen the two examples of worship from the older folks of Simeon and Adam. We talked about how to stay faithful to God in worship. We noticed many aspects of their faithfulness to the Lord and how they stayed faithful to worship God. And then we went to the shepherds. The shepherds are a unique case of worship. They weren't expecting to worship. They were just minding their own business, tending their flocks by night. And then all of a sudden God showed up. And oftentimes that's how worship is. God just all of a sudden burst on the scene. We're not expecting to worship. We're not really planning on worshiping or just reading our Bibles or meditating or thinking or praying or driving down the road and a song comes on the radio, a song comes across our uh, our, uh, our playlist and uh, God just begins to speak to our hearts and tears begin to maybe uh, swell up in our <coughs> eyes and we begin to think about God's goodness and we just worship the Lord. And then we saw the exaltation or uh, the Magnificat of Mary. in in Luke chapter number 1 and how she just exudes worship to God as she is the chosen one to be able to bear the Son of God. And after all of that, I thought, wow, there's really not much left to the story. But we leave out one person oftentimes, don't we? We leave out Joseph, don't we? We think about Mary, but we oftentimes don't think about this other person dynamic character in the story and life of Jesus Christ and that is Joseph. Joseph. And I want to show you today that Joseph is a supreme and excellent example of worship. Just one way. Is that in order to worship God you've got to be obedient to God. In order to worship God you must be obedient to God. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, says that plainly. Samuel said to Saul, Have the Lord does great delight in burnt offerings and sacrificing as obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of ram's. Matthew 1, 18-25 is where I'll be at today. Worshipping through obedience. You're there. Let's, read, let's notice what the Scriptures teach us. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as His mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with the child of the, with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. He wanted to do this in private. He wasn't going to make her some spectacle. He wasn't going to put her out. That shows to me that he probably believed what she said, but he had a hard time accepting it. Does that make sense? He believed her. He had some belief in her. He loved this young little girl, but he didn't quite understand it. And God saw that, and all I believe none of us would have understood it either. I don't fault him for it at all. Verse 20 says, While he thought on these things, and I'm not going to preach on this, but man, should we not think on spiritual things? Amen? If our spouse comes to us with a concern or a problem, should we not think on those things? Should we just write them off if your husband comes to you and says, You know, I'm really concerned about one of the children. If your wife comes to you and says, You know, I'm just not very comfortable going into this situation you would be a wise man to stop and pause a moment and pray. I didn't hear very amens from the husbands there, and I'll say that again. is that If you're a wise husband and your wife comes to you with a certain matter that she's uncomfortable with, you'd be a wise man to stop and pray. Amen. 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 <laughs> Alright? I still don't think very, men, very many men agree with that, but maybe you will later. You ought to agree. You ought to think about that. And he thought on these things. He thought about this. He said, I'm going to meditate on this. And while he was doing this, the Bible says an angel of God, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. The angel is still talking here. Saying, now behold, a virgin shall be with a child, the child shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. Now notice in verse 24 and 25 the obedience of Joseph. Then Joseph, being raised from the sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. They did it right then. And he took unto him his wife, And notice also, and he knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son. And then finally, and he called his name Jesus. Worship. Worshiping God must be accompanied by obedience. Father, we're thankful for the word of God. We pray that Father, you will, through the Holy Spirit of God, take these words and put them into our hearts. Apply the message that you want today to our lives for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name I pray. In fact, I would say it in the negative like this. Worship without obedience is essentially false worship. It's false worship. Uh, Remember the verse I just read to you about Saul. He tried to worship God, but God had told him through the prophet Samuel to kill all of the animals of the Amalekites. And he didn't listen to God and thought he would just have them as a sacrifice. And God says, no, I don't want them as a sacrifice. I wanted you to kill them. You see, he said it's better to obey than to sacrifice. In Exodus chapter number 20, we read this verse. Particular account of the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments tell us, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow thyself down to them nor serve them. That's in chapter number 20. And 12 chapters later, what do you find the children of Israel doing? You find them in the wilderness. Moses is on the mount. And they bring to Aaron all of their earrings of gold, and Aaron makes a golden calf. And it says in verse number 32, verse number 4, And he received them of their hands and fashioned it with a graven tool after he had made it a molten calf and said, These be thy gods, O Israel. They did exactly what God told them not to do. Were they worshiping God? They thought they were worshiping God. But they were not worshiping God because they were being disobedient to God. You cannot worship God and remain in disobedience. In fact, the penalty was so great, I may will consume them in a moment, and I will make of thee a great nation. And Moses offers up to God that great prayer in Exodus chapter number 32, and that great prayer of petition and of supplication and of intercessor, intercession to them. And God refrains from killing all of them. But we notice that He still strikes judgment on 3,000 of them, for on that day fell 3,000 men who were not on the Lord's side. Jesus told us that if we love Him we ought to what? Keep His commandments. That's found in John chapter number 14. If you love me, keep my commandments. John 15, he says in verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that love is a part of worship? I would say if you said no, then I would say you weren't thinking. We worship what we love. We worship what we love. And we love what we worship. If we love God, we'll worship God. And if we'll worship God, then we'll keep His commandments. Keep His commandments. Jesus even tells us that if you'll keep my commandments, you'll be my friend. Which, saith, which, which speaketh of Abraham. Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Abraham was a worshiper of God, but he was also obedient to God. He was obedient to God in one of the most difficult commands ever given to man upon the face of this earth. He was told to offer up his son, his only son. And this is key to what I'm saying here. Listen to what it says. Remember what I said? You love what you worship. You worship what you love. God says to Abraham, Offer up now thy son, thy only son. And here's the key thing. Whom thou lovest. What was God doing? God was seeing And God was testing. Abraham, do you love Isaac more than you love me? See? What do we love more? Do we love our stuff? Do do I dare say, do we love our children more than we love God? What do we love? What you love is what you worship. What you worship is what you love. Now look at our example here in Joseph. Joseph is one that worshipped God. He worshipped God. Now something that must be emphasized and cannot be emphasized enough is what we find in verse number 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. A just man. Only the just can worship God. Only the righteous can worship the Lord. Remember the words to the Samaritan woman uh, that Jesus said to her that the Jews were the ones that knew where and how to worship. The Samaritan said, uh, she said, our fathers have told us to worship in this mountain, but uh, the Jews worship in that mountain down there. Which one is the right place to worship at? He said, you don't know where to worship at. He said, you don't worship in this mountain over here. You worship in Jerusalem. That's what the Scriptures teach. All right? He was trying to get her thinking about some things, and she was trying to get him sidetracked, but she can not get the Lord sidetracked. Amen? But what is interesting about that text is this, is that Jesus is talking to her, and He's telling her this. He's saying, but there's coming a time when you'll never worship in that mountain or this mountain. But the fact of the matter is this, is that there's coming a time when only there will be the true worshipers of God. And who are the true worshipers of God? It's those that are righteous. It's not those that worship in this mountain or that mountain. It's not a Jew and it's not a Gentile. And it's not if you go to this particular place or that particular place. In fact, I think we have sometimes, and I've said this the third week in a row, that we have sometimes relegated worship to this place, and that is wrong. And sometimes we call this the worship service, and I understand the point of all of that. But we've got to be so careful with our terminology sometimes because that gets ingrained in our hearts and our minds to think that this is the only place to worship. You should be worshiping God every day. All the time, in every way, you should be coming to church to worship God, all right? You should be, but you should be doing it all the time. Joseph was one that truly worshiped God and he was only the one, he was one that could worship God because he was a just man. The word just means holy, it means righteous, it means innocent. Now how does someone, a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, become just with God? How does that happen? Is it something that he earns? Is it something that he gets? No, it is an operation of God. An operation of God. If I go into this next week for a heart operation, and I have a successful quadruple bypass surgery, and I come out on the other end of that thing, do I puff my chest up and I say, well, I've done a good job, huh? Is that what I do? Do I say, "Man, I just laid there and I let them work"? You should have seen. You should have seen it. I bet they should have had me on camera. I, I was just the best patient ever. No, that's not what you do. No, if somebody else has a heart issue, you say, "Hey, my doctor." Dr. Smith, he did a great job on me. He helped me out so much. And you lift up that doctor. You praise that doctor. You go on Yelp and you put five stars, you know. That's what you do. Because why? Because you give praise to the one that did the surgery. You getting me? Who did the surgery on our black, wicked, sin-filled hearts? Who does that surgery? God. God does. Colossians 2.12 says, We're buried with Him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised Him from the death. It is God that worketh within us. It is God that saves us. I do not save myself. It's God that saves me. God forgives. That's the just man. That's the that's the forgiven woman. That's the that's the righteous boy and girl. Joseph had believed in God as his savior. He believed in a coming Messiah. And at the, but at this point in the narrative in verse number 20, he doesn't realize he's going to be the one that's going to help raise the son that raise the Messiah. But he has believed in him already. Isaiah calls him, he says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This is who Joseph believed in. The Bible calls him a just man. And the Bible does not use that word lightly. These are the words of God that describes Joseph as a righteous man. Person. And he gives to Joseph two wonderful words Jesus and Emmanuel. Jesus, because he would save their people from their sins. You realize that Jesus wasn't sent to this world to give you a better life? For in this world, he says, You shall have tribulation. Jesus didn't come to make your marriage better. Jesus didn't come to put a smile on your face. Jesus didn't come to give you riches, but isn't that so contrary to the teachings of Christ? that Christ came to give you riches whenever He was one that didn't even have a place to lay his head. Did you think like that? Jesus didn't come to make you a better person. He didn't come to help you to turn over a new leaf. He didn't help to come to help you resolve your drinking problem. You know what He came to do? He came to forgive you of your sins. That's why He came. Now there are products behind that, amen? There are products that go along with that. Praise God, if you do get saved and you apply the biblical principles to your life, and your wife does too, and your spouse does also, man, praise God, then maybe you will have a better marriage, amen? Amen? And maybe you will have better health. Listen, if you get saved, quit smoking, quit drinking, quit your, quit your tobacco and quit, uh, quit gambling and do all the rest. of it. Listen, you're probably going to have more money and be in better health. I mean, just, that's, just, that's just obvious, right? If you're not putting in the toxins because you got saved. But God didn't come for all of that purpose. God came to be Jesus so they may save His people from their sins. Joseph believed that. Have you believed that? Why are you trusting in Jesus? Has He forgiven you of your sins? And then he says He is Emmanuel, God with us. That is prophesied in Isaiah 7.14. It seems very obvious that Joseph understood this prophecy and he applied it directly in the message that we'll see here today. Are you just though? Say, I want to worship God. Are you just? Are you righteous? It's not me saying, save it's, that's not me that I am saving. It's God that is saving me. It's not my blood that atones for every race, but it is the blood of Christ that atones for every race. It is what he says in 1 Corinthians, chapter number, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse number 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us, that we might be made the what? The righteousness of God. We have been made into that. It's his resurrection that gives me resurrection power. I could go on and spend much time with this and take you through Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, but I'll spare you this morning on that. But I want to point out and emphasize that. Is that in order to obey God, in order to worship God, one must first be right with God. That is key. And there must be no confusion upon that. Now look here at our example in the life of Joseph. This man was an obedient man. In fact, I find ten different occasions that he's obedient to God. He takes Mary to wife. He does not sleep with her until after the babe is born. He names the child Jesus. He obeys Caesar and travels to Bethlehem. He circumcises Jesus on the eighth day. He goes down and dedicates him on the 40th day. He obeys God on three other separate occasions by moving to Egypt, moving back to Israel, and moving to Galilee. And then also he's obedient to take his family whenever it's uh, Passover and feast time down to Jerusalem and be there during that time. So he was a an obedient man. There's no doubt about that, but in Matthew one, I just want to draw out three specific occasions of his obedience. Notice, first of all, in verse number twenty-four. Notice, first of all, we see that he obeys God immediately. The Bible tells us in verse twenty-four it says that the Joseph, being raised from the sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. The narrative does not allow any time between him waking up and him taking Mary to wife. He immediately does it. He, in fact, the Bible says it like this, that he did as he, had been, as he had bidden him, as he had told him. The word bidden is the word command. This was a command of God. Go take Mary to your wife. He doesn't wince at God's plan. Now, let me ask you a question. Does God's plan make sense? No, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense at all. A virgin shall conceive. Come on, give me a break. We all know the natural order of things. That's not how it works. That's not the way things work. That's not how it happens. In fact, the whole situation is completely unimaginable. It's completely completely understandable that he would not have wanted to take her to wife. And what is even more unimaginable is that his character is that he would not put her away publicly. That's even more unimaginable. For, don't you remember the one story that the one lady that was taken in adultery, what did the Jews tell Jesus? Said, oh, we've taken this lady in adultery. What should we do to her? Shall we stone her as Moses' law teaches you to do? I mean, they were ready to do something. They They were ready to pounce. This whole situation is unimaginable, unthinkable. But against all human reasoning, Joseph takes God at His word. That's what faith is, folks. It's taking God at His word. It's believing God. It's trusting God. It's abandoning your plans and trusting God's plans. Did you know what his plans were, right? Verse 18 was his plan. His plan was to put her away privately. privately. Nobody to see it quietly. We'll take care of this thing. We'll move on. But that's crucial. If you're going to obey God, you've got to obey God immediately. And you've got to abandon your plans. You've got to say, I'm not going to have my plans. We've got to believe what Isaiah 55 and verses number 8 through 9 say. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I'm I'm not even going to tell you right now, they're too personal to, to my heart, but as I'm preaching, the Spirit of God is bringing up things in my heart right now that I'm thinking about right now. And He's telling me, you need to abandon that. Those are things that you have abandoned. Those are things in your life that you've already abandoned. And He's putting that in my heart right now. Is He doing that to you? Is there something in your heart? The Spirit of God is teaching you and saying to you, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Stop thinking like that. God tells the children of Israel that they're going to go into captivity for over 70 years. But then He says in Jeremiah 29 verse number 11, He says, you're going to go into captivity, but I want you to listen to me. You see, that's what I said earlier is that God does not promise us always a better life. It's not the promise of God. But He does promise this. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, And you may be going through a very difficult time right now in your life. You may be going through some very difficult decisions. You might be having some pull from the world and from ungodly friends. But God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. God knows the end. I don't know the end. You see, that's why it's important to abandon your plan and trust God's plan. Because you don't know the end. How many of you know what's going to happen tomorrow? Meet me in my office. All right? I'd like to know too. But here's the thing, none of us know. Amen? You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen next year. And then what does He do? He goes right away and finds Mary and takes her to wife. We have told our children, and perhaps you have told yours. Delayed obedience is, anybody know the next word? Disobedience. Yes, you probably said that before. Sounds like some of you have. Delayed obedience is disobedience. He doesn't delay the moment he wakes up from, from the dream i don't know where mary is at in this particular occasion right here i don't know if she's i don't know where she has gone to maybe she is with her her with her with her uh, her distant cousin uh, elizabeth and he has to make the trip out to the hill country and he's got to go out there and said man i've got to hurry up i've got to go i don't know where she's at but the point being is this is that it doesn't matter where she is all that matters is that he goes he finds her and he takes her to wife then he tells her the dream and he explains to her he was not like lot and his family right You know what it says in Genesis chapter number 19 and verse number 16 is that the angel of God had commanded them to leave the city and to go. And what does the Bible say? And while he lingered, and you see him just kind of piddling, maybe we need to take this and maybe grab this and grab a couple other things and put these over here. And finally, the angel just loses patience with him, doesn't he? And he says, what do?" you? He said, put all that down. We're not, listen, you don't understand. We're not taking anything with us. Amen? And maybe that's what we kind of need to understand today. There's never been a, uh, you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. Okay? We're not taking anything with us, folks. We're, we're, there's, nothing that's, there's nothing in our hands that we're taking into glory one day. We're sometimes, but sometimes we're lingering upon this earth and God says, Hey, it's time to move. It's time to do this. It's time to do that. It's time to take care of that over there. Stop hesitating. That's what the word linger means. It means to hesitate. Alright? God's telling you, Hey, listen. It's been long enough. You need to forgive them. Amen? It's been long enough. You need to say, please forgive me. I've sinned against you. You need to say it just like that. You don't need to say, I'm sorry. You need to say, please forgive me. I've sinned against you. I've done wrong to you. I've offended you. Please forgive me. You say, what if they don't forgive me? Well, that's on them. Amen? That's not on you. You can't make somebody forgive you. But you can go to somebody and forgive, them, and, 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 tell them, and forgive them, or you can go to somebody and ask for their forgiveness. Have you taken something that wasn't yours? I remember I took something that wasn't mine when I was a young Christian, and I, I, I was just under conviction about this thing. I mean, uh, everybody had done the same thing that I had done, but I was just a Christian now, and I just couldn't take things that were not mine. And I was just under heavy conviction about this thing. And I went to the fellow that I took it from, and I gave him, I gave him, the, I gave him some money uh, for, for, for the cost of the thing that I took. And he said, oh, don't give it back to me. That's okay. I forgive you. I was so ashamed. I was so embarrassed. I thought, oh, what's going to happen to me? Oh, what's gonna, what are they going to think about me? And you know what? They were just happy that I came to them. They didn't even chide me or chastise me. I'm not saying that God won't do that to you. I'm just saying that what, what was in my heart was that I had defended, I had hurt, I had taken something that wasn't mine, and I needed to get that right. I needed to get it right. We see that he obeys immediately. But also notice here with me in verse number 25, in verse, in the first part of the verse, that he obeys almost unnoticeably. It's a, it's a small little portion, a little of uh, the verse, but if we're not careful, we'll skip right over it. And I'm not here to dwell on the, on the physical side of this. So I'm not trying to be gross or, or try to be immoral here, but I just want you to see what he's saying here. It says in verse number 25, it says, and he knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son. He did not engage in normal marital relationships with her. You get what I 'm saying now why did he not do that? The law did not command that he shouldn't do that that wasn't against the law, nor does the angel tell him not to do that. Neither one of them tell him to not do these things. but the scriptures put this in here for us I believe for a couple of reasons number one, to quench any might have uh, tried to mess up the scripture. Say, "Oh, well, we don't know what Mar- Joseph did after they got married." You know what married people do? No, the scriptures put that in for us so that we can have that doubt removed from our hearts and from our minds. But remember what I said: this man was a true worshipper of God. That means he was an obedient worshipper of God, right? He wasn't disobeying the law. He wasn't disobeying the command of, the, of an angel. But if he would have, he knew he would be breaking the prophecy of Isaiah 7.14. For the Bible says, Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. And we oftentimes just stop right there. But notice what it says also and a virgin shall bear a son. A virgin shall bear a son. You see, what did Joseph do? Joseph knew the Word. It's almost an unnoticeable thing. It's almost a small little thing right here. We don't even see it sometimes. But he obeyed what God said. And a lot of times, obedience is just like that. It's unnoticeable. Did you know that most of the time, the, the greatest obedience that you and I are ever going to have are going to be behind closed doors? The greatest amount of obedience will not be in front of people the majority of times. But the greatest amount of obedience that we can show to God will be when nobody is watching. When nobody can see. When nobody notices. Obedience is also coupled with temperance or self-control. Joseph shows great self-control here. God says, take her to wife, but he does not want to in any way break the prophecy of God. And he does not have these relationships with her. But instead, he worships God obediently by obeying the prophecy. He is is a temperate man. He's a disciplined man. He's not controlled by his passions or his lusts and by every wind of doctrine that blows his way. Sadly, I've seen some believers out there that, man, a new church comes to town or a, a new doctrine starts spreading or a new book is put out or somebody else, a, a new preacher, a new preacher is on, the, on, on, on YouTube. That seems to be our thing today. Books aren't, I guess, as big as they used to be. Seems like nowadays it's, a, it's whenever a preacher goes viral. And then all of a sudden you hear some, some people talking about it in the church. And sometimes you'll even get people visiting the church because they heard this preacher that went viral. They say, oh man, I kind of got, got a little kick in their pants. And they say, oh man, I've got to get going for God. I've got to do something for the Lord. But the problem is a lot of times is that if you're excited over a preacher is that that steam is going to run out. And if you're excited over a particular church or a denomination, or if you're excited about a particular song or, or, or a particular, just a particular message, I hope the message today helps you out. I really do. I've, brought, I've tried to prepare some food for you, and I hope you get a little fed here today. But listen, if it's just one message that just kind of gets you going, listen, the, steam, the, the food's only going to last you just for a little bit, my friend. Even God's food that He gave to Elijah only lasted in 40 days. What is my food that I'm given to you? What I'm saying is this: is that we've got to be temperate in this thing. We've got to be disciplined in this life. We've got to obey, even though no one sees or notices. One of my favorite stories in Jeremiah is when the Rechabites come to Joseph, Job to Jeremiah. The Rechabites were a group of nomadic people that lived in the desert, but because of the great strife that was happening with Nebuchadnezzar, they came into the city, into the town of Jerusalem. And God sets them up as a witness against the Jews. And He brings the Rechabites in, and He says, Jeremiah does, and He sets them before them, and He gives them these bowls of wine. And He says by the hand of God, He tells them, He says, the prophet of God says, drink up boys, have a good time. And the Rechabites say, we shall not drink of this wine. For our, fathers in our, for our father uh, in the past has told us to never drink wine. And from his days until now, we have never drunk wine. Temperate, self-discipline, self-control. The prophet of God is saying to drink. The prophet of God is saying, "Hey, go ahead." The prophet of God is saying, "There's nothing wrong with it." And what does he say to him? He says, "Listen." He says, he tells him, he says, "The children of Rechab are set up as a witness against the Jews. Why? Because the Jews have been told by God over and over and over and over and over and over and over again what to do and what not to do, and they have disobeyed and have not listened to God, and therefore they do not worship me." How many times have we sat in a service? How many times have we read our Bibles? How many times have we gone to church? How many times have we been in Sunday school? How many times have you been in a Bible study when God has told you and told you and told you and told you what to do? And yet you don't listen. And yet we think sometimes we can come into a place like this and we uh, we can bow our heads and we can pray and we can sing from the hymn book and we can do all the other things and we think that we're worshiping God. Oh, we have fooled ourselves, have we not? We have fooled ourselves. Worship, worship, and obedience go hand in hand. Worship, obedience must be obedient. Obedience is oftentimes, it is unnoticeable, but finally, notice this: he obeys completely. And he called his name Jesus. Now, it's not. Given to us in the text, but there's a colon there. And what should be noted is though it, I'm not trying to add to scripture, but what should be noted and should be understood is that the naming of Jesus doesn't happen till nine months later at his circumcision in Luke chapter number two and verse number 21. It's there they named a child. It was Jewish custom to name a child upon the circumcision of the child or upon the eighth day. And so it would have been with Jesus Christ our Lord, too. There's no doubt that he had discussed the thing with Mary and that the names that the that the that the child's name should be Jesus. There's no doubt about that. I'm not taking that away from him. But the point is this, is that for nine months, he knows what the child's name is. And then finally, whenever it's time to reveal the name, he says, his name is Jesus. It reminds me of Zacharias. Whenever he was told that uh, his name, your son's name will be John. And when, when, when Zacharias' son, uh, John, comes to be circumcised, and they say, what is his name? And Elizabeth, his mother, says, his name is John. And they say, oh, but nobody in the family's name is John. Let's name him something else. They said, hey, ask his father. And they gave him a tablet to write upon, and he wrote, his name is John. And immediately, his tongue was loosed. Why? Because he believed God, that's why, over a name. Amen? Just over naming his son, he believed God. Because he knew that's what God wanted him to do. And he wasn't going to make the same mistake twice, right? He didn't want to be dumb forever. And he wrote it down. His name is John. And the same was true with, jo- with Joseph. He named him Jesus. Listen, you and I will not always have a chance to obey God's commands right this moment. me say that again and say it a little differently. You and I are not always going to have a chance and the opportunity to obey all of God's commands at this very moment or tomorrow or the next day. Not i not going to get that opportunity. In fact, there are some commands I will never have to obey. Isn't that wonderful? I never have to obey the commands given to wives. Amen? Or widows. Okay? I don't have to obey those commands. Listen, if you're a, if you're a, if you're not a pastor, guess what? You don't have to submit yourself under the authority of those of those particular things that are found in 1 Timothy, chapter number 3. Praise God. I'm not saying there aren't good things to learn from to be an, and being a pastor. I'm just saying that that is not what you're submitted under. But there will come a time and a point and a place in our life where all of us, all of us We'll have to deal with something that God commands us about, and we're going to have to deal with it then, and we're going to have to obey God in that thing. Some of you are not business owners right now. You're not a business owner. You don't plan to be a business owner. But the moment that you become a business owner, guess what? You've got to submit yourself to God's commands in the things He talks about employers. You've got to do it. You didn't have to do it before you became one, but the moment you became one, guess what? you got to do it. And you might not have to obey God in this matter or that matter or this thing over here today or tomorrow or the next year. You might have been thinking to yourself, you know what, you know, Pastor, I'm really thinking to myself right now. There's nobody that I really like, hate, you know, well, praise God for that. But I mean, there's nobody that, you know, I need to forgive or like I need, they need to forgive me or I'm really running through a lot of things right now, Pastor. And there's really not like, I don't really find something. I can't really put my hand on something. Well, praise God for that. Amen? But does that mean that it's never going to happen? No. This means that you need to be ready for when it does happen. Be ready. Joseph was a ready man. He was ready whenever the time came to name Jesus. He was ready to do it. You know what 1 Peter chapter number 3 tells us? It tells us that we ought to be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you of the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Are you ready to tell somebody about the Lord? You ready to tell somebody? You ready next, next week whenever you, one of your coworkers workers sees your Bible on your desk, sees a track on your desk, say, Oh, how do you believe in that stuff? Do you really believe in that Jesus thing? You ready to talk to them? You ready to give a word for Christ? Are you ready? We ought to be. Amen. They that do good and those that are rich in good works be ready to distribute. Are you ready to help somebody? Ready to help somebody? Ready, willing. Oh, yeah, I want to help somebody. I want to be a blessing to somebody. Can I teach you a real practical way to be a blessing to somebody? Real practical, all right? Keep a little cash in your wallet. We, we live in a cashless society, I know. But how many of you ever thought, you know what, I'd really like to help that person, but I don't have any cash on me? You ever thought that? You want to keep a $100 bill stashed in there somewhere? Say, a $100 bill? My goodness, a Franklin? I was thinking like a Washington, you know? A Washington won't even buy you a donut, man, okay? All right? Now, keep you a Franklin in there. And you might need to help somebody. You might need to be a blessing to somebody. You might need to give somebody something. Be ready. I'm just being practical this morning. Are you ready to be offered? Paul says, I'm ready to be offered. My time is at hand. Are you ready to go to heaven? Amen? Are you ready to go? This world is not my home. We sang it, didn't we? I'm just a passing through. You know? We're not seeing Kenny Chesney over here. All right, Some of you got that. Joseph carried out this command to the nth degree. We've got to be ready. We've got to be willing. We've got to be able. And if we're ever going to worship God, we've got to be, say it with me, obedient to God. If we're ever going to worship God, we've got to be what? Obedient to God. Samuel said, At the Lord is great delight in burdens, offerings, and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than the sacrifice, and to hearken in the fat of rams. This series on worship has been a help to me. I hope that it's been somewhat of a help to you. hope that maybe you have learned how to be a better worshiper of God. But always remember this. This was emphasized every service. Is that no one, and I repeat, no one, can worship God who is not right with God. Who does not have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. For you cannot even approach